0: Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. Joining me today on the panel are Thomas Sannerho. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Dom. How's it going? Great. And Jack Berzini. Hey, Jack. Hey, Dom. Folks, I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you are certain to enjoy called Let's Science. If you're a Secrets Tech listener, you're going to want to listen to Let's Science. And you can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com science. And by the way, it's a great show. Uh, Carolyn and Lindsay and Lino do the, that show. And they're from Australia, so you get the great accents. And it's it's like 20 minutes. It's a real brief hit, boom. And they're always entertaining and they always have very interesting sciencey subjects to, uh, to dive into. So definitely check that out at sqpn.com slash science. So for today's main topic, we're going to be talking about the uh, we've talked often about ChatGPT and other large language model uh, services, software sites, whatever you want to call them out there, AIs, uh, if you will. And uh, there's a lot of fears, uncertainty and doubt around them. And people, you know, they're worried about them becoming Skynet. They're not going to. They're worried about them people using them to cheat in school and all these other, you know, fearful things. But the fact is, is these have become some fantastic tools that people use every day for all kinds of things. And there are a lot of hucksters out there promising the world, but we want to kind of cut through all that and talk about first ways that we use ChatGPT and maybe other uh Large language model services that are like it, as well as um, some other use cases that you might consider that that uh, that you might not have thought about that may, maybe you would benefit from. And so, uh, I want to start by talking about the ways we use it. And uh, Thomas, you have mentioned you you've used it in work, right? At your in your at, at your job. Could you tell us yes. a little bit? Ways that you use ChatGPT, or or if you use ChatGPT or any of the models, and uh, what ways you use them.
1: Well, I think we're going to get into a lot of the more kind of general ways I use it, which is you know how to write emails and make your emails sound better, or if you're really mad and you've written a really mad email, how to make that email not as. Uh, as angry right? <laughs> right. <laughs> when you're trying to communicate with somebody. Uh, so, you know, and stuff like that, making mean, presentations, we'll get into all that kind of stuff. But uh, one of the really interesting things that we've started to do, um, we have to write a lot of like shell scripting code. And one of the hardest parts about writing code is getting started and having decent boilerplate code to just kind of write from. And so like I can debug code a lot faster than I can write it myself just from a blank slate. Um, so I do that all the time with ChatGPT where I'll just like poke in something that I, I, I have a task that I need to get done. And I'll just pop into ChatGPT and and say, I am trying to do this. I need to use this shell scripting language. Uh, I need it to not use these functions. Uh write me a script for it. And it will write a shell script that nine times out of ten will work or get me close enough to what I need to really just I take offline and work on it sometimes i'll even just sit there and just say hey this this line didn't work or i don't like the way this line works i'll just copy it back into ChatGPT and say could you fix it and ChatGPT will apologize <laughs> and then fix whatever the problem was or explain what was happening and why it might have gone wrong um and and i'll do the, the the reverse too is to reverse engineer stuff if i've got a piece of code that i don't understand what it does i'll just grab that piece of code and throw it into chat gpt give it a little bit of context and then ask what's going on here, and it'll spit back out a decent enough answer that I've got the right step- next steps to do something with it
0: excellent excellent yeah. nice how yeah. about how about you jack do you use it in your everyday job and i
2: do um a lot of what I use it for um like in my professional life is if I'm doing like documentation for different i t procedures, I'll ask it to give me a like say in very like messy, unprofessional terms without all the legalese, like this is what I need. And then it will give me a template that I can work off of. And usually I'll take that and I can adapt it for what I need. And that's really helpful. Or I'll take, if I'm writing documentation for certain procedures, I will take what I've written and throw it in there and ask it to clean it up and format it and kind of make it more readable. Because as I'm working on that stuff, I'm not usually focused on the particular readability of it. So it's really good at punching up documents.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Totally. So I use it a lot making podcasts. And uh, a couple of the, the ones that I use it, the ways that I use it, um, wh- when I do uh, a show, say like with Jimmy Akin, I do Mysterious World and he'll throw 15 links at me. These all go in the further resources. We need to put them in the show notes on the website. I'm like, okay. And the way I used to do it is I had these laborious script and I would have to, you know, look it up, grab the title, you know, paste it in, create the HTML. And then I had like an automation script, but I have to do it line by line by line by line. Now all I do is is like go into to ChatGPT, open it up, and I say change this list of URLs into an HTML unordered list of links. And I just paste mm-hmm. one per line. Boom, 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 boom. Hit enter, and it gives me the whole thing properly formatted with the titles, you know, that the proper titles, everything. And Sees it, it that alone it saves me time. I really mm-hmm. love that.
1: That's and that, and that's the thing is like I I think a lot of people are worried about it being cheating or something like that, and it's it's just a tool that is cutting down the time to action that you can that you can make. And and so like you need something done, and you're gonna learn how to do it one way or another. You know you're gonna go and find a website. You're gonna have to dig through like twenty different generated websites that are fluff code and random junk uh and find the answer and and it's going to take you time to do that or you just go to chat put the question and do it be critical about it don't just take the answer and and, and throw it out there if, if if it's not worded the way that you would word it and you're trying to make an email tell it say that's not exactly how i would say it uh you know maybe make it less less formal and then it'll do a little bit less formal so be critical about it, but use it as a tool to shorten that time to action. Mm-hmm.
0: And like my HTML list thing, I could write, you know, create a JavaScript or an Apple script or, you know, some something which I did partially to get me there. And it had I had to find some regex and all sorts of weird stuff online to get me to this thing that required me to still take, a you know, a little a bit of time to do. Whereas you know, this is just another automation. It's just a sophisticated mm-hmm. one that doesn't require me to learn a language. <laughs> just, oh, yeah, I can just exactly. tell it, do this automation. And that's all that is. Um, so that's one way I do. What, another thing I do is this, uh, this, this is kind of the workflow. I'll take a podcast once I've finished it and I'll grab the audio and I have a program on my computer, uh, on my Mac, called Whisper Transcription. And it uses, there's a Whisper AI large language model that is really good at transcription. It, you know, hearing the audio and translating it into written text. It's not not perfect. You should see what it does to Father Corey Stiga's name. But <laughs> <laughs> it calls him Stiga, S-T-I-G, very often. But actually, Whisper Transcription lets you say, you know, this is wrong. Whenever you think it's this, Always make it the correction so that it does have that in it. But what it does, it creates a transcription fairly fast. It'll do like an hour long show in about ten or fifteen minutes, and uh, I take that very long transcription. Now, the problem there's a problem with ChatGPT is it can only take up to something like forty four hundred characters in the prompt, and so. Mm -hmm. The these transcriptions are way longer than that, and so i i what I found was somebody came up with a tool. I'm not sure exactly how it does it, but I think it's it's it, they've there's a way to string blocks of text together to ChatGPT hey, keep keep going, keep mm-hmm. going, keep going, to get it get, get that limitation. And so this, I'll put a link in the show notes. There's something called SummaScript, like summarization, transcript summarization, SummaScript, um, PortfolioPals.net/slash summa script it's like the summa physiologica um summa script and you just paste your text in up to two hundred thousand characters which i mean even the longest mysterious world shows are not over two hundred thousand characters and i say you can say give me a long summary a medium summary or a short summary and i, I even with the long summary i grab that then i bring that over to chat gpt and i say Rephrase the following podcast episode description as a dynamic and engaging social media post under 250 characters long. And what that gives me is not a perfect, and almost never can I just use it straight off of what it gives me because it, you know, sometimes what it decides to emphasize from the from the transcription is kind of odd from the summary. Uh, But very (laughs) often I get something pretty darn good. Let me grab. Let's see, the latest um, coming up this week on the Secrets of Stargate. They'll be just talking about the episode Smoke and Mirrors. And what it gave me was Colonel O'Neill framed for assassination. Sam, Tailkin, Jonas turned detectives from memetic devices to shadowy organizations. We dissect every twist and so on and so forth. And it puts in emojis, appropriate emojis and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's rad. I mean, this is (laughs) like, I I I can write a pedestrian tweet, you know, but this, you know, is pump pumping it up. It's jazzing it up. It does a little bit more. It's like I was 30 years younger than I am, you know. (laughs) So I mean, that's so that's a workflow that I go through to to do some of this. And again, like I said, I don't ever use it straight out of it because the stuff that's like, now that's, that's dumb, that that sounds stupid, fewer exclamation points, that sort of thing. Um, and then I can always go like, you know what? I need another one of those. Give me another, uh, you know, right. a, a tweet and so on and so forth. And it's like, wow, this is so much better than having to, like, I sometimes agonized over all of these things, trying to get it down mm-hmm. short enough to fit into a mm-hmm. tweet and all this sort of stuff. And this, gets to the heart of it and i one of the things i really in fact i love doing this so much i use this so often uh star quest we have a i got a paid account so that it's using mm. the the latest language model and that sort of thing and uh it's it's well worth it it's in the time that's it saves
1: nice Yeah, i was gonna say that's that's one thing i'm actually um i'm figuring out how i'm going to afford that because one of my buddies showed me uh, this, and this blows my mind as a teacher, uh, what he was showing me blew my mind because we do this programming thing all the time. And so he was, we, we had two CSV files we had to compare. And, um, he's like, you got to check this out. Watch. I'm going to run it through mine. And he has the paid subscription. So he did chat GPT four. Put the two CSV files told it what, what they were and what we wanted to compare. And then he said, now watch this and you can watch it do what it does. And it talks you through the. the the decision tree that it's making. So it it like actually conversationally says, okay, so first let's try this and then we're going to add this and then we're going to do this thing to it. And then it gives you a result and it says, "Uh, this doesn't seem quite right. Uh, I could either do this or this. And if you don't like either of the choices, you just give it another option and it, and then it runs with that. And, but it, it conversationally tells you why it's making the decisions it's making. And as an educator, I'm watching this and I'm going, this is phenomenal to to sit a kid down in front of something like this and and give them a problem that they need to work with this machine to solve and then have it sort of talk them through the thought process. And you do that multiple times with uh, with an apt student with it's not going to work for every student obviously but for a lot of students this is the way i learned right this is the way that that i work best is like by watching somebody sit there and make bad decisions and and fix them on the fly and and explain why they they did what they did and it it was amazing like watching this i was like i could seriously just learn a programming language just watching this thing do what it does that's awesome yeah yeah (laughs) it's really impressive like yeah i I am super i am super gigged about where this is going and how the applications that we can put it to you know and i was thinking about you know my my days as a teacher where you know if you have a student that has a poor paper um and instead of just giving them a bad grade and saying redo it say okay i want you to take this i want you to go to chat i want you to put this in and i want you to to ask it where you would make improvements and have it walk that student through the thinking process of what, what it was that they did wrong. And not that they, you know, were lazy or that they did, but like what, where were the decisions made in their paper that they could have done better. And that to me is just, it's an incredible tool to really open up, uh, because it's a predictive language model, like the the whole concept is that it it, it works based on on what has returned well before, mm-hmm. and that so you're getting the wealth of experience. Like you know, a lot of people are like the self driving cars thing is is kind of disturbing to them, but it's you've got millions of hours worth of driving built into this automated driver, and it was from watching actual drivers. And that's how it learned. And, and in a similar way, these, uh, language models learn that way from actual text that was produced by people, which is another issue that we can get into, but, <laughs> but you know, but it's, but it's interesting that that's where they were trained from.
2: Right. Right. Something that, uh, I really like to do, and I've, I've started doing this more recently is, um, when I'm doing creative writing, like I'll, I like to write like science fiction and stuff like that, but I'm not the most, I'm not like a, space engineer. So I don't really know a lot of that stuff just off the top of my head. And I've been able to use chat GPT to ask questions about technical details that I could spend hours and hours researching. But this really gives me the ability to at least get a starting point. And usually what I'll do is I'll put in what I want, like kind of a general idea, like how does this, how does, how do orbital mechanics work? Things like that and it will give me a good summary and then I can use that as a jumping off point to research because I'm not going to just take what it says uncritically um that's been that's been really helpful and another thing that I've just recently discovered is um you can ask it for like Here's a, an example. I said, give me some names for characters, base them on modern names and account for ling- linguistic drift over the next thousand years. And it will generate a list of the, the modern name and then it will give you a new name. and it wow. will base it off of linguistic mm. drift, which is fun because that's something I've I'm really into, like when I'm creating characters and stuff for stories. But I'm not a linguist, so I want it to at least be somewhat authentic sounding. And that's been really helpful.
0: I remember as a kid, that the, cool. you know, getting into you know RBGs and stuff like that, and I was like, if if I needed names, I go, I'd open up the newspaper and pick a random first name and a random last name, and that was how I picked people's names. But yeah. I would love to have something better than that. And this this is the thing, um, you know, people might say like with the orbital mechanics thing. Well, why don't you just go to Google and Google it? Like, or what? What explain orbital mechanics? But this is something you can have it back and forth with. Now, eventually, my guess mm-hmm. is. You'll be able to do that with Google. Uh, I don't expect Google to stand still with this. Uh, but, you know, there's a back and forth. OK, but what is this part of it? And I don't explain mm-hmm. this part more and mm-hmm. make it simple. Treat me. One of the best things you can do is say, explain it to me like I'm five. Yeah. Or 15. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like like I'm a lawyer or, you know, like explain something to me technical as if I'm an non-technical person. And it will it will really change the way it, it, it phrases things and make it, which I think is amazing. You know, I want to give exa- another example of something I did that was kind of silly, but shows you, it kind of goes off of what you said, Thomas, about teaching you. I was having a conversation with someone, remember the Powerball was like a billion dollars a couple of weeks ago, a, couple, a month ago or so. And I was like, okay, so if you win, you get the cash payout. I was trying to explain, if you take the cash... And then invest it, you're going to end up with a lot more money than if you take the annuity. You know, it's the whole thing. And Mm he wouldn't believe me. So I said, "Okay." I went to ChatGPT. I wrote, calculate annual growth over 20 years of an initial initial investment of, it was like $315 $315 million cash, that has a 6% average rate of return, so annual, but also distributes 4% as income annually. And then it goes you know, to calculate the annual growth over 20 years, blah, 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 let's break down the calculation step by step. And it goes boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, so the right. annual growth over 20 years is approximately 110%. I'm like, oh, okay. What would the total investment be worth at the end of 20 years? And it wasn't quite give me what, it, um, what I wanted. So I'm like, what would the income distribution be each year? And then recalculate with the 4% annual income distribution coming from the total compounded growth at the end of each, like I was getting more and more technical as it, and I finally got like this, you know, it gave me the income distribution for each year and year one, you would make 12600000 and by year 20, you're making 22075000 you know, that sort of thing. And it really breaks down the whole thing. I'm like, this was, it just became an interesting exercise in having this thing calculate stuff for me. I'm like, if I was working on investments or retirement stuff, this would be a great tool for that sort of thing because it talks you through it and walks you through it. I could, I could have done this on an Excel spreadsheet if I knew what I was doing and maybe that could download an Excel spreadsheet from somewhere. But this was so much easier.
1: This was you came out with terminology. That's the thing. Is like you, you, you walked away from it with new words yes. that you probably knew, but you didn't have a context for them, and and now you do, right? And and beyond that, you had an actual real world example that you were able to talk through, and you know that's and that's. And and it's not just stuff like that that you can do it with. You can do it with daily tasks, too. Like, say you do need to make an Excel spreadsheet that accounts for several different variables. And, and it's for your job. And you, you just want to make the report. And you would normally have to sit there for two or three hours just putting all the numbers together and figuring out mm-hmm. what the calculations are going to be. And, oh, you didn't account for this thing. Now you go back through and fix it. Just start asking ChatGPT. Say, hey, ChatGPT, I have this information. I need to get this information out. And just start that way, right. and then work your way through it. And it, the the one thing I will caution here is: the longer you talk to it, the more likely you get into that kind of hallucinatory terrain. Um, but you'll know when it comes. You'll you'll know when the when the language model starts acting up and kind of going off the reservation, uh, because it'll start returning things that you are like, I don't know, that doesn't sound. Quite right, and what I'll do at that point is I'll I'll just copy the last thing that it told me and just start a new chat, right? And that kind of does a, a refresh on it and just cleans it out and gets it started over again. And, and say, hey, we were talking about this. Uh, can you explain a little bit more what you know what was meant here? And it'll clean it up.
0: And shorter conversations are better. So uh, at the current mm-hmm. state of things. And that that's the thing is this, this all this is changing as we speak. But at the current state of things, like like you said, shorter conversations are better because of when you say it gets hallucinatory, the law, the language model kind of starts getting wonky. It gets it starts returning weird data, weird information like uh, that's not quite. Uh, I don't think like, that looks really weird and that's not mm. real. Um, and so you have to you, you do have to kind of stay on top of it. Um, another one I did. I was doing a puzzle game, and it wanted me to find a um, a national capital. It it, it was like national capitals, and what, it was like this random island in the middle of the South Pacific, like the island nation. I had to find. It was 400 miles away from the one that I'm supposed to guess. So I'm like, I don't know what. <laughs> I can't find the capitals of those countries. So I just asked, which nation's capital is about 440 miles north, northeast, or northwest of Tarawa, the island? And, uh, you know, it gave me a list of capitals. I'm like, oh, that's mm-hmm. what it was. I think it was Honiara, Honorara, Solomon Islands, um, which I should have known. But, um, <laughs> uh, but it's like even for fun, frivolous things like that, that's the sort of information. Like how else would I find out, you know, I, I tried Googling it. That didn't work, you know, but mm-hmm. it has all of this data there. And it's all about making connections between things. And that's what it's really good at. Right
1: yeah yeah i'll i'll uh i'll I'll give one more and this is this is one that i um toyed around with and I thought okay why not do it this way this, this just makes perfect sense to me, and it has a lot of interesting results, so i want to be very clear about be careful the way you use this <laughs> but uh writing your resume is A perfect use for a generative AI like this. And I'll explain a couple of things that are going to happen here. First off, um, when you're writing your resume, one of the things that they recommend is you rewrite your resume every time you get a job, every time you get a job that you're looking for, and you rewrite your resume to match that job. This this is a phenomenal way to do it. You get the job description, you go into ChatGPT, you give it your resume, you give it the job description, say, please rewrite my resume to fit this, this job description. And it takes your experience and matches it up to what the job description is looking for. So it it just finds the places where they match and then puts them in. Now the one thing it does that's really interesting is it puts in all of this these great things that you've done at your current role and they're complete fabrications. <laughs> right? They're they're total lies. Um but it's really good because what you what you do then is you look at the, what it said and you find the spots where it says, this is where you need a statistic. This is where you need a measurable result of something that you've done and just replace it with something you've actually done. And it, it, that it gets you over the hump of the automated resume review process, because you know that there's an AI on the other side of this that's reviewing your resume. Well, you've just had a re- an AI write your resume to the exact specifications that that AI is going to be looking for on the other end of right. it. Nice.
0: Yes. Exactly. We're, use the machines against each other. Let the machines fight yes. it out. <laughs> Mortal Kombat! Yeah. <laughs> I will say
2: on that note, um, when you're using this, be careful about what personal information you put into it. Like, don't be pasting your social security numbers or your bank account information, like that kind of stuff in it. Right. Like, it's. I think it's fairly secure, but again you shouldn't be pasting those into text boxes anywhere.
0: Right. You should right. use the same precautions <laughs> that you would anywhere on the internet and not put your sensitive personal information in um you, one of the things you can do is like I mentioned before is uh, uh with the paid plan you can enter in you know what would you like chat to know about you to provide better responses. That's what it says. Mm-hmm. And so I've you know put in uh I'm a professional podcaster. Who runs a network of Catholic podcasts and YouTube shows that explore the intersection of intersection of faith and pop culture? Uh, I'm older than so and so, a male Catholic, husband and father of five children, born in and lives near Boston, Massachusetts. And it can use that sometimes not to not well. Like sometimes it overspecifies so when I if I'm not specific enough in a request, it'll it'll think I really want something to do with Catholic podcasting when sometimes I don't. That's not what I'm asking i want I'm looking mm-hmm. for something more generic um so that that's a little bit of a caveat to to consider um one of the things i I've used it for is to make recipes you know to to say look, I've got these four main ingredients on hand. give me a recipe that that I can make you know that uh that I could do on the grill that um would be uh Kids under the age of 10 would want to eat, you know, an average kid under the age of 10 would mm-hmm. want to eat, yep, you know, so on and so forth. And it's given me some recipes. So I'm like, you know, that was actually a pretty good soup, <laughs> you know, like, right. uh, you know, it, it's not high cuisine, but it wasn't bad. It was a, it was a decent meal uh, because, again, there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of recipes on the internet that it's probably all looked at and analyzed and see what goes because a recipe is simply what things go together well. <laughs> right you know yep and in what order and what
1: proportions and how to, and how to prepare them right yeah. yeah and that's yeah that's all that's what you need
2: <laughs> right uh one fun thing that i've tried uh on the creative side of things is asking it for different chord progressions or i even had mm-hmm. it write me a tune for the bagpipes one time it was a terrible tune but it's uh it's interesting that you can do that kind of thing with it um And it's fun because if you're kind of in a creative rut, it will give you give you a good starting off point to work from.
0: It's a brainstorming tool in one sense. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's, that's it's a sparking tool. It it sparks that ideas or gets you started. Right. One of the tips. And and that's that's
1: the hardest part. It's that it's that inertia, right? That like you, you just you're sitting there and staring at a blank page. And that's the worst because you just need that little bit of a start. And even if you disagree very strongly with what it's put out for you. That's great because that's, that's <laughs> then
0: then you've got something to start with. Right, it's something to push against, you know? That's that's mm-hmm. So one of the th- uh tips that you often that I've seen a lot and it's a good one is you can tell it to imagine that it is. Imagine mm-hmm. that you are a high school teacher. You know, imagine that you are um, you can get specific that you are a uh, a high school teacher teaching Catholic theology to n- ninth graders. Explain the concept of such. And frankly, you actually will sometimes get better results by telling it t- to imagine that you are than if you just say, explain the concept of such and such, even when you say explain to a 14-year-old. Like just the giving it a role to play, sometimes it's interesting. I'm not sure exactly why, but it's an, you sometimes get some better results that way.
2: Yeah. And if you're, uh, if you're in the mood to have some fun, you can ask it to, uh, pretend like it's Macho Man Randy Savage and it will
0: talk like him too. (laughs) Oh, I can imagine some very fun things you can do like that. Please,
1: please rewrite this email as Macho Man Randy Savage.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, brother. (laughs) So, um. Let's talk about some other, you know, maybe not things that we ourselves do, but some potential use cases, and whether from work or home. Uh, one of the ones I thought was that came across that was interesting was having it help you make a home maintenance schedule. You know, you tell mm-hmm. it what kind of home you have and what kind of, like I have a, I have a gas burner for heat and I have, you know, a refrigerator and dishwasher. like you give it all this information about your house, and then you say, give me a plan and schedule for regular home maintenance tasks from cleaning to seasonal repairs you know that sort of thing and it, again it will require massaging and you know adaptation to your particular circumstance but it, it it'll give you a, a this starting place this list that like you know I, and you you will do you know i didn't realize i needed to do that <laughs> that's yeah. a, that's one of those tasks i think i keep forgetting to do I better go do that now. In fact, you know it's that sort of thing where it kind of fills in those gaps of your knowledge. So, um, what else would be a uh, something that you'd pick? Say from home life uh, uses. I've um, I like
2: using it for meal planning. It's very good for that. You say create a meal plan for the next two weeks, and you can even ask it to format it as a Excel. Be like. Put the main ingredients in a column, put the meal in the column, do breakfast, lunch, dinner, and you can give it, uh, give it parameters too. like, uh, my wife is dairy free. So, you know, mm-hmm. make all the meals dairy free and it will give you a nice, uh, a nice diverse list of
0: food. Oh, cool. That's interesting. How about you, Thomas? Anything
1: leap out of you? You can. Yeah, I, I. Use it to automate routines, like and to improve your routines. So, so think about things that you do on a routine basis. Feed it in those things, and say, "What could I do here to improve this routine?" And a lot of times, it will find ways that you're you're wasting time moving between one thing and another. And I'll say, you know, you could probably move this thing to this spot, and it would save you a, a certain amount of time. And and it's just little stuff that you don't think about that uh, that's I don't know. I, I, I'm i guessing it comes from like, you know, blogs that it's read where people have suggested like, you know, yeah. micro improvements and stuff. But it does a lot of times return uh really good suggestions about how to organize different things that you're doing in your day. You know, like and it'll say stuff. It, it's stupid stuff that, you know, um that you've heard somewhere, but that you've never really put. Two and two together, and it's like you know, make sure you prep your clothes bef- the night before so that you don't have to use uh, that that decision making power in the in the morning, and then and just, just just little stuff like that that's really amazing. So you know, just take it for for what it is. It's it's a tool that kind of looks at a wealth of of stuff that's been suggested and gives you some things to try. Mm. And so it's not the be all end all, but it's definitely got some room to to help you out with. Stuff that you 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 don't think of on a day to day basis, but that if you just throw it at something that has these other thoughts to it, this this kind of collective uh, uh, imagination, uh, it can it can help.
0: You know, one thing that I've used it for is for suggestions for things to do with the family. Like for example, mm-hmm. say you're going on vacation, and you know, say I'm going on vacation to to Boston. And I could say to, to, the, to the chat, GBT, uh, so there's seven of us in the family. There's a, a, you know, I'm adult male. My wife's, you know, this age. Uh, we have five kids and they're this, 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 and this. And, you know, ages. Uh, we, our interests include fine art, museums, hiking outdoors. You know, you give it the whole thing and then say, give me a list of 10 possible things to do uh, on vacation with my family in the Boston area in the month of July. And it will give you a really interesting list. And sometimes like by number, like you probably should say like 10, like you put a limit on it because if you let it go on too long, you get into that hallucinatory, like like w- that doesn't exist. <laughs> you know, riding right. unicorns, I'm pretty sure that a thing, you know, or whatever, you know, <laughs> I don't think it gets that crazy. But but you say, give me 10, to 10 ideas of things to do on a week-long vacation in the Boston area with you know under these parameters and it does i mean it's a great thing or you could do for a day out like even if it's just like in within five miles of this town you know say the town where you live or whatever you know uh give me give me um six great hikes that are of uh beginner level you know difficulty uh for for hiking in the spring in this area and it will come up with them and it's it's really great. I mean, you could, again, you could Google it, but a lot of times you get all of these random sites and these weird, you know, and like, which one do I pick? And this just gives you six. And then you can go look those specific hikes up, say, or those mm-hmm, specific mm-hmm. places to go on vacation up. And it gives you, it gives you that starting point. You know, you can go, that's really not for us. And, oh, that won't work at all. But these ones are good. And it's mm-hmm. the, again, it's that, it's like having a it's like having an assistant like who gathers all the data for you, all the information for you, and just lays it down in front of you on your desk and you go, This, 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 but not this. Like you it's almost like you're one of those um you know, one of those people on Wall Street, you know, and you have this assistant mm-hmm. and you're like, um, I need a tie for tonight for this dinner. Get me six ties and let me pick one. Uh that one. You know, and that's that's kind of what you are doing here yeah. with, with this AI. Yeah. I
1: another thing I'll do is um because the nature of my job is very highly technical at this point. Um, and the teams that I work with are very highly technical and the stuff that they talk about is all in acronyms. Um, I have chat open in another window. So while we're having a conversation and they throw something at me that I've never heard of i have no idea what this thing is i'll just go over chat gpt hey uh what's this thing and uh and it will spit me back uh a response that says this is generally what it is and i know enough about what i'm doing to know the accuracy more or less of what it's what it's done but at least it's given me kind of the the general space to have a a decent conversation about what we're talking about without me having to say um uh, I have no idea what you just said. So can, can, you know, could you could you explain it to me now I can ask intelligent questions about it, you know, like what kind of tool is it? Like, what is it, what does it do exactly? Mm-hmm. I, I know those questions to ask and to really dig into it a little more. Um, so it is phenomenal for that kind of thing, where if you're in an asynchronous conversation or if you're having like a video chat with somebody, and you have an op- another window open, uh, to just be able to type in a really quick, uh, the person i'm talking with just mentioned this what is it uh give me a brief summary and it'll summarize kind of what it is for you without you having to go to all of the the different spots on the internet where you might find an answer and and read through you know 20 pages of preamble before you get to that actual summary of what the thing is right
2: that just reminded me of another uh use for it that is really fantastic Um, If you have, if you find like a recipe online that you really like nine times out of 10, I feel like they're on those blogs where the person feels the need to include their entire life story. I've started just taking those links and I'll paste it into chat GPT and say, Hey, strip just the recipe out of this and give that to me. And it will take it and pull all the extraneous stuff out and just give you the recipe.
0: Oh how, what did we learn about how Grandma gave that recipe to her on her deathbed? <laughs> uh,
1: I, I see this. There's a part of me that like my, it hurts my soul talking about this because um uh, who was I don't I forget who it was that said this. But a uh, digression is the soul of wit, and um you know it's it's one of those quotes that's just stuck with me. It's an author uh, that 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 said it. Oh, Ray Bradbury. That's who it was. Yeah. Uh, digression is the soul of wit, and um it kind of hurts this, but, but at the same time, the internet's not much better. Like looking up things on the internet, when you get results back from Google, it's really not like with my kids, I encourage them to use an encyclopedia because there's discovery along the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, but with the internet, it's not very often that you discover something along the way, trying to find an answer that's, in any way valuable or enriching to your life, so It's more like this digging just, through the
0: junk <laughs> to get to the diamond yeah, in the exactly. rough. Yeah,
1: exactly. And this just cuts through the junk, right? It just cuts the junk and gives you that, that diamond that you need. And then you can take that back and do some more research about it and, and find out some more information. But yeah, it, it cuts out that, that initial research phase that's so hard to get over. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that requires so much time and investment.
0: So we could we could go on a lot <laughs> on this. I mean, there's a, there's so many more, and there's a lot of YouTube videos of people giving you advice on how to craft your prompts. Prompts are really valuable uh, for this and they get into specific areas. Uh, I, before we finish up, though, I want to, a couple more caveats I want to mention is one of the limitations that the data that ChatGPT has access to only goes up to, at, the, at the time of our recording, only goes up to September of 2021. So anything that you reference that has happened since then, it won't know about. So I asked Mm -hmm. a question about um, inflation. I, you know, what, if something was worth $13 in 1988, what would it be worth in 2023? And it's like, I don't have access to that, but here's the formula. If you get access to the consumer price index, here's the formula you could use to plug it into it. And that was useful. Uh, I ended up finding a a website that has an inflation calculator anyway. But so just so you know, it's, its data set only went up to September, 2021. I'm sure that will advance over time. Um, the other thing is, is to, as we've said several times, verify critical information, mm-hmm. make sure, you know, don't, don't just trust that. The, I think the more general something is, the safer it is. But if it's the more specific it is, the more you have to be careful, I think is mm-hmm. it, uh, safe to say. Yeah, um, Use your judgment. And just don't take it and paste it. <laughs> so
1: yeah. generally generally with very specific facts. Yeah. What what it's doing is placing a fact, like the the generic term a fact. It's it's something that should sound true. So don't don't trust like a specific fact. Just realize that whatever it's stated in that spot is, I know that there should be something here that like, there's a story of the lawyer that went through and like made a whole case from ChatGPT and they came to find out that all of the cases were fake. Yes. Like ChatGPT just created, because it knew as a predictive language model, it knew I should put next a a case reference. And so it just made up a case reference to throw Mm -hmm. in there. It didn't actually like have those cases in front of it to to reference properly.
0: Right, right these things are only going to get more powerful, more useful. These limitations will start to fall over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think we need to be afraid of these, these programs. They're not Skynet. They're not self-aware. They're not going to take over. Not all of those, that fear that people have. It's just a really cool automation tool. It's mm-hmm. not con- even conversational, really, you know, when it says it's sorry, or I'm happy to, it's, it's just it's just automated it's some it's programmed to say that to make it more pleasant right it's not actually saying these things so it's important to remember so uh we'd love to hear if if what uses interesting uses that anyone in the audience is making of chat gbt things that we might not have talked about or if you have further questions about about this and you know we may come revisit this with some more ideas and you know tips and things that we, as we continue to use it if we come up with new uses that would be something we could discuss further but uh, we'd love to hear from you how you use these these uh large language models uh, and you can let us know by uh, sending us an email to technology at sqpn.com So before we move on, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the Secrets of Technology, including Karen V, Jeff K, Michael C, Warren C, and Ricardo G. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the Secrets of Technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. I don't say it often, but... uh, StarQuest is a five hundred one c three nonprofit, and so your tax your donations may be tax deductible depending on your situation and where you live. Uh, so uh, we would greatly appreciate your support to keep going. So let's talk about some headlines this week. Our first one is interesting, and I get the right guys here for this. Uh, Steam is the you know the the gaming uh, store platform from Valve, the company Valve uh, is, it makes Steam. And one of the things they do is they keep track of the different operating systems where, so Steam is sort of like Netflix for games, except you're buying them. It's, it's kind of hard to explain, yeah. but it's, it's like iTunes for games. Yeah,
2: yeah, that, that's that's
1: probably a better analogy.
0: Better, better, better. Yeah, because you're buying the the games anyway. They keep track of who's using them and what you know what systems, what co- uh, computer hardware you use. And uh, no surprise, most of the people are using Windows PCs uh, on it, but Linux is a significant. Portion and this article from the beginning of August uh, now, so it's a little bit back, but uh, showed a spike of Linux use on Steam to jumping nearly two percent in July, which makes it larger market share than macOS, which is uh, interesting to me, especially. Um, and one of the things they attributed to is SteamOS, the Steam Deck. Mm-hmm. So, what do you guys think of this? I mean, it it when these you see this chart, and it's not just really Linux there's only two Linux distros that are up this Steam OS and Pop OS everything else is down mm-hmm. so it's really Steam OS that's really growing what, what do you guys think of this I think it's
2: not honestly not that surprising because the with the popularity of the Steam Deck a lot of people are either just getting into using Steam on the Steam Deck itself, or have migrated over from using Windows to using Steam. And the cool thing about um, Steam OS is that you could you could just install it on a computer if you wanted to. You don't have to have a Steam Deck. And I think that as more and more people are exposed to it through the popularity of the Steam Deck, it's becoming something that people have actually started putting on computers.
0: Mm, that's an interesting idea. If you have a if you have a powerful enough computer, the Steam OS is actually pretty good for playing those Steam games. Yeah.
1: And and you can you know, you can either dual boot or have a dedicated drive that's just for gaming. That's one thing that I've considered doing even with my Linux machine, is just having a dedicated solid state drive that's just games, just run Steam OS so that everything's on that SSD nice and clean, nice and fast, and that's all it does. And so then when I boot, just boot into that instead of into my main rig, play the games, and then I can boot out of that and over to my other machine right. from there.
0: Right. Cause yeah, the the Steam Deck is a really nice portable hardware. But if you're not, you know, concerned about the portability of it, just putting it on a on a PC computer, yeah, mm-hmm. very interesting. Um, I yes, yeah, the way we use I have a Steam Deck, and you know, uh, most of the games don't run on Mac. No Man's Sky does, which is fun, but uh, most of the other ones don't, <clears throat> and so we we often game on it. I've been looking at ways to get. The Steam Deck screen on uh, my TV, my you know yeah. via HDMI, and big there's picture. Uh, there's a dock. Uh, it has a don't even bother with it. Use Big Picture. What's Big? Do you have smart TV? Uh, yeah.
1: Oh, we're going sideways here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is dangerous, uh, Dom, because this is awesome. Uh, you can use the Big Picture mode on Steam, and it will find your smart TV on your network, and you can actually just stream from your computer to your Screen,
0: uh, I might have to turn something on. I I never set up the smart TV smarts of the Samsung because you know Samsung. But um, yeah, <laughs> I may have to. connect. I, to- I don't know.
1: I don't know that I ever really. I mean, I have some some of it on. No, yeah, yeah. We'll connect after this. Okay. But yeah, that's that. That's definitely an option.
0: All right. We may have to bring this <laughs> up again. We're going to be doing uh, an episode in the near future on non-gaming uses of the Steam Deck, and maybe uh, we can incorporate that into that episode because uh, that that would be that would be nice. Um, cool. Uh, all right. So our next headline is Raspberry Pi availability is visibly improving after years of shortages. So when 2020 rolled around and everything shut down and everything went to heck in a handbasket, we uh one of the things that got affected was the availability of the Raspberry Pi tiny inexpensive computers that are everybody loves. You know, they're just these wonderful little Linux computers that you cost nearly nothing and can do so much. But they became as rare as hens' teeth, and it wasn't just because of supply chain issues uh you know where they couldn't get components. It turned out that it suddenly also became very, very popular among commercial buyers in, in, for industrial uses. And so they just were snapping them all up. So Raspberry Pi, see, the, the, the company, has uh, recently been able to ramp up their manufacturing so that they could, uh, as the article that will link says, manufacturing numbers have climbed from 400,000 monthly units to 1 million. So that uh, one million units so that uh, they can, you know, start getting through the the backlog and so that regular consumer purchasers can can start to buy them again. Um, And uh, I know that friend of the show, Jeff Geerling, who we had on a a while ago, uh, is a huge Raspberry Pi guy, and he's done a few uh, videos on his YouTube channel about the Raspberry Pi availability and even went to England to visit their factory and interview the CEO. So you should check out his channel for that. But uh, what do you guys think of this new availability? And does it signal a change in priority for Raspberry Pi? Because there's some criticism that they were supplying commercial over the consumer. What do you think of this? I,
2: I just hope that I can finally find one for less than like $150 <laughs> online. I know, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was out of control there for a little bit.
0: (laughs) Right. If you could get one, they were super expensive and they got snapped up right away. And
1: it's hobbyist projects suffer from it because, you Mm -hmm. know, like I I use them for my print, my 3D printers. They, They connect to the network. They're really snappy. They just run light and there's they're great for that kind of thing but I can't justify dumping 150 bucks on it when that's, that's like the cost of a printer. Yeah, <laughs> I, right. can, I yeah. can buy a whole nother 3d printer for that. It really does not, uh, does not scale uh, to that height. So yeah, just being able to put like 25, $30 at it and have it you know used for a hobby uh, is great. I really don't think that they were trying to push commercial. I think there was just a lack of chips, you know, just, Everybody who was in computer space was suffering, and if if chip prices go up too much, you can't afford to make a tiny, cheap computer when you have to pay almost twice as much for a chip that you were were getting for much cheaper beforehand.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you hear stories about like Apple buying up the entire production of a particular capacitor or something like that, you mm-hmm. know, for the if the whole year, like th- it's not even just like the main the CPUs; it's the all the right. other sp- components that that are mm. out there that need to be one of the things that they said was you know like they the they are they, well, still waiting to have them have new models come out like the pi 4 is over four years old at this point you know they haven't mm. had the pi 5 and the things that come after uh, do you think that this may give them a goose and so we start to see some updated versions of these it's possible but
2: i kind of think that the the Pi Four is still still doing exactly what most people need it to do, so mm-hmm. I don't really see the need for a newer model, to be honest. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, you end up going more specialized if you if you need more juice or more specific functionality out of you 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 tend to go to like an Arduino or something that's a much lighter board or that has or then you get into just a regular computer. Like mm-hmm. if you need something bigger you're going to get into a server board or just build your own basic computer the the four really does uh i mean it's just a, it's it's just reliable it's mm-hmm. just a great reliable little piece of hardware
0: yeah it's it is amazing well i mean when you see that it's being used in industrial uses commercial uses mm-hmm. you know it just it's it's a it's an amazing little piece of tech, technology that's been designed that does it so much for so little uh it is really a marvel
1: Frankly, and then then it runs Linux, which can run on anything like there. There are (laughs) many computers that I have saved from the scrap heap because I'll just throw Linux on it.
0: Yep, it works. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Yep. So our uh, next headline is uh, AI related. And so the headline is Wizards Wizards of the Coast Updating Artist Guidelines After AI Art Found in Dungeons and Dragons Book. So, Wizards of the Coast, the publishers of the Dungeons and Dragons, a role playing game, and there was a new book coming out of uh, you know the Big Big B presents the Glory of the Giants, and so it, uh, it's a source book you know for use in the game. And those books always have tons of artwork. I mean, I remember when I was a kid that you know the artwork in the D and D books was you know a big attraction. And so somebody found that the one of the artists making the the, uh, art for this book had used AI probably mid journey based on how the art looked um, that uh, to, to make these pieces. Now he's a regular artist who's worked for uh, wizards of the coast since I think 2014, the article said, but, uh, but he just took a shortcut. Maybe, you know, maybe thought this was perfectly valid uh, but there are concerns. A lot of artists are concerned about AI taking their jobs and you know this sort of stuff being used, and um, it's a shortcut. And maybe Wizards of the Coast thinks that uh, they don't want to be paying human-generated rates for stuff that someone could generate off of a mid-journey with a prompt. But what do you think of this one? I mean, I,
2: I kind of think that if you're going to be a uh... – you know, you got to be upfront about where you're getting your stuff from. And if you're going to be so lazy as to not even like, like I could totally understand like taking something like this. And and again, like we were talking about using it as for inspiration, but just printing it out and using that straight is kind of, kind of sketchy.
0: Right. The, there's an article that's linked from it on Gizmodo from the, from the article that we'll have that shows the art and, uh, the original and the reworked version um and the one of the ones that makes it clear is the hands yep uh earlier yep. mid journey's better now, hands. but it was terrible <laughs> with hands before and uh it uh, so yeah it there yeah there's this this ethical concern about you know um do do we what is what are the parameters of art we've talked about this before. Thomas Mm -hmm. what do you think about this
1: uh I mean I think this is a big part of what makes D&D D&D and um uh, so I'm gonna go for the RPG route of this uh you know the original art and the interest and this is what will make or break whether I buy a book too is what the art looks like so if if it starts going to AI generated art um I'm I'm out. I'm not buying anymore. So I, I'm glad that they're taking a step to say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to make a rule about this. And, uh, I don't know how they're going to vet it exactly, but I, I mean, I I'm glad that that wizards of the coast decided to take a stand on it and, and make sure that it wasn't something that artists are going to start abusing. And there's kind of a series of tweets from this artist that seemed to sort of justify what he was doing, which was basically just taking concept art that he had made and polishing it up with, um, Generative AI, and uh, that came back to bite him in the end. But he was—it's just was basically that he hadn't finished his work, and he just used the AI to kind of finish it off. So he mm-hmm. had a concept, and he shows the concepts and compares the two of them. Um, I don't know if they're the poster up anymore, but the, but it, it's interesting to think that an artist can kind of get lazy too in the in the process and not complete a work. Uh, maybe they had a concept that they went through. But then they used AI to just jump over that last 20 percent of it. I would rather it be honestly, the first 20 percent done by yeah, the AI. Right. And then you finished it off and made it a polished piece of actual art.
2: Because the last 20 percent, or, yeah, the last 20 percent is the part that's the hardest, like right? If you can get a, you can take a stick figure and work on that and make it much better, but if you're kind of reversing that, then you just, you just didn't put enough time into putting your work together.
0: Right. right and that takes us back to the beginning of the show where we talked about using the AI as a a, a way to get past the blank canvas so if you mm-hmm. if, if he used it as a way to give him some ideas to start with the rest of that is him and I'm not sure if if Wizards of the coast would be okay with even that I'm not sure I would be but uh, yeah. you know it's I don't know what line people want to draw especially with artists but You know, I'd be okay with using it to generate ideas. But that, yeah, like you said, that last 20 percent of of an artistic work is the difference between professional level work and rank amateur. You know, it's Mm -hmm. there's a big difference. So If you've ever seen an artist do working, that's a huge aspect of it. Uh, Yep. So that'll be interesting to follow and to see where else that comes up comic books and other places like that uh, this mm-hmm. is this is not done it's something to be to be aware of all right let's move on to our picks of the week and let's start with you jack what's your pick this week uh my pick this week is
2: uh something ai related uh google has this thing called the uh, ai uh, test kitchen and basically what it is is it's an early access uh page where they have these different ai projects they're trying out and the one that I've been uh, looking at is called the Music LM, and what it is is it's basically a language model uh, AI generator for music. And you can put in different kind of things like syncopated, funky jazz to listen to at a wine club, and it will give you these clips of audio that will that kind of sound like what you're asking for. And it's not particular; it's not like it's good, polished music, but it's just fun to play around with and it's you know it doesn't cost anything so it's more more fun ai uh, trinkets to try out
0: you know i remember years ago a website where it had all these little sound loops and you could com- like all like these blues loops and you could mm-hmm. kind of combine them together and make you know funky songs you know it wasn't fun, you know fine art but it was just kind of fun to combine and it would be nice to have ai who that could take that to the next step and make them sound better together, not just you know, kind of meld them together. I like that. I'm, I'm, there's apparently a wait list, but uh, if you put your name in, I'm going to guess it wouldn't be too long to get through that wait list. Excellent. So, Thomas, what's your pick this week? So mine's sort of
1: low tech, but I'm going to bring some high tech to it and um, talk talk about how to use AI to to make this um, more functional. Um, I, I got into bullet journaling a while back. Um, I think I've talked about it on the show before uh, at some points. And um, I finally got my wife into it. it, took a long while, but she couldn't find a calendar this year that, that worked for her. So I was like, you know, there's this thing <laughs> that I've been doing. She was like, okay, <laughs> fine. And she is like, Way more into it than I have been, which is is awesome. Like she's really invested. Uh, but it's it's great. It's a system of of using a journal. Uh, so it's not necessarily a piece of technology, but more like a system of using a journal. And one of the things I always found really challenging with it was coming up with topics to write about. Uh, so that's not necessarily a big part of bullet journaling. Mostly, it's just tracking uh, things that are happening. So it's keeping track of uh, tasks and and managing where things are are working out. But uh, there is a journaling component to it. You do want to write, like you 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 tend to get to a point where you want to actually put your thoughts on paper. And I always had trouble with that because, again, blank page, right? So I went to ChatGPT and I said, "Hey, ChatGPT, can you give me uh, 365 uh, journal topics?" And I just printed a list out of these short, you know, and then I had to tell it, "Could you make those shorter?" (laughs) Because it did like these really long. It's just like I need a list of just like one line question to answer kind of starter topics. And eventually it got to the point where I had like a really good list of, it came up with about 50 that I liked and I put them on a piece of paper, printed them out, stuck them in the back of my journal and then just kind of come back to those. And after you've done it, after you've done it 50 times, it's kind of going back to the first one is still enough to get a fresh response out of you. It's been really good because it's actually, uh, the, the prompts are not bad. The prompts are, they, they get over that blank page hump and they, they get you started. And even if you don't like the prompt, at least you don't like the prompt. And like I said, you're looking at it and you're going, yeah, I'm not going to write about that today. And then you, but something else comes to mind and you actually do write about it.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I, uh, I do a daily journal myself. I use a, I use an app called Day One, which i was a previous pick of the week. And, uh, yeah, the, it, I've used various systems like this for, 25 30 years now probably and uh it is really it's really useful to keep a journal just to to think about things and something even if you're never going to show anybody this even if you never go back and look at it it's it's a way to process Mm -hmm. your your thoughts and to get them down and to get them out of your head and stop perhaps maybe stop ruminating on them. If that's a thing that affects you uh, and uh, bullet journals, I've, I've looked at them. I don't use that method, but it's a, it's a cool method. And um, I reckon people check it out. We'll have a link in the show notes to uh, a website on all about bullet journaling, um, but good use of AI to help you with it. That's a great idea. I've uh, I've used chat GBT to help me generate blog posts and blog post ideas mm-hmm. just as yeah. a starter, just fun. So my pick this week is a website that I think you guys have I've talked to both of you about before uh it's called Tinker T Y N K E R tinker.com this is a way to get kids coding I have a son who is uh has an aptitude and I wanted him to start trying to to learn some coding stuff some some programming and so Tinker is it's a lot like a lot of these other online tutoring systems like Khan Academy. And so it has progress and like it, it it has exercises and walks you through these concepts and then it grades you on the, whether you're, you know, you're a beginner intermediate or advanced level with the concepts. And it's, it's very um, systemized and regimented in that sense. Um, But it really will teach them coding basics, the concepts of coding what's involved, you know, uh, things like, and so here's like programming basics is the first part. And you get 40 lessons, 179 activities, 30 minutes a lesson, and they'll learn ordering tasks, sequencing, building a program, critical thinking, problem solving. It even gets them into, you know, using actual Python, which is an actual language Mm -hmm. that's actually useful. (laughs) You know, I mean, the Mm -hmm. most WordPress Website pages are built using Python. I think it is these days. Oh no, PHP. That's different. But Python is a useful language. Um, they'll, uh, they'll. You can also do things like learning different programming concepts using Minecraft, which is a actually a different class he's taking uh, elsewhere. But it uses Tinker to do it. Um, so in any case, uh, it has a student uh, portal where it gives them all their. Their access to all their exercises. There's also a parent portal, and then there's a teacher portal. So if they like, give your school, mm-hmm. a school can have this, and the teacher can use it from a teaching perspective, which is different from what a parent needs to look at. So I'm glad yeah. that they separate those out, and uh, so I can see his progress, see the last time he worked on it, and that sort of thing. Um, if you if you sign up for it, you can do a quarterly, yearly, or you get a lifetime uh, membership, a uh, an annual membership which is probably the sweet spot is 192 dollars which is not cheap but not terrible not for a class like this for a year yeah yeah um what's really great is if if you have a nice big catholic family and you have three kids that want to learn programming or if you want to learn alongside the family plan gives you three accounts and that's 240 bucks so yeah that's a great deal um for for, for, you know, the the whole family. So uh, Tinker is, uh, you know, it's a great starting place. It's not going to, you after he's gone through all this, he's not going to immediately leap into making the next great iOS app or something. Um, but it's the place to begin, learn all this stuff. And then from there, he can, he or she, can go to the next level of learning how to be a programmer. And today, yeah. learning how to program is not a bad skill to have even if you don't become a professional programmer, understanding how all of this stuff works uh, is really useful. Let me tell you. Yeah. Oh, well, definitely. And,
1: and just those basics right there. That'll help you start, you know, you can go ask chat GPT. So I'm, I want to do this. How would I start?
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> and then from there, you're, you're off to the races. <laughs> yep. That's right. I, I can vouch for Tinker from the, the teacher perspective too. I used it in the classroom uh, with uh great, you know, great school kids and it was great. It was fantastic uh, at their level. Uh, really accessible to them. Uh, so yeah, like fourth, fifth grade, uh, teams I had working through Tinker.
0: So. I would say that's the sweet spot of the age group. Yeah, fourth, fifth, yeah. sixth grade, somewhere in there. Yeah.
2: Nice. That's awesome. I'm gonna have to uh see if I can introduce this to my son because he loves playing Minecraft, and I feel like that'd be a good uh gateway mm-hmm. to teaching him about programming.
0: Yeah. There you the, go. The the way we got started with the the Minecraft thing, we use a program called uh a system or. Service called Homeschool Connections. They're a uh, a Hmm. online homeschooling resource. They have classes. And in fact, uh, Mike Creevy, who's on the Secrets of Star Wars, uh, is also a Homeschool Connections teacher. He teaches theology courses for them. So if you, my daughter took a class with him, which was funny. And uh, (laughs) that's kind of (laughs) cool. It was pretty cool. But they also have things like programming. And my son took a Minecraft coding class with them that used Tinker. So. Yeah, Minecraft is a great tool. And there's, in fact, a whole Minecraft for education thing, which we can talk Mm -hmm. about another time. But it's a great, great tool for learning this stuff. So, yeah, excellent. So that will do it from us this time. What did you think of our discussion of anything we had to talk about today? We'd love to hear from you. And you can do that by commenting on our show at sqpn.com slash technology or the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Send an email to technology at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. I'll put links from our discussion and our picks of the week in our show notes at starquest.fm slash tec225. That's tech225. That's today's show number. You can follow The Secrets of Tech in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Tune in your favorite podcast app, or at our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash StarQuest Media, where you should make sure to hit the bell so you get notifications of new episodes. Until next time, Jack Barazzini, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Tom. Thomas Ennerho, thank you as well. It's been great. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest.